The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Comey Snake. Welcome to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic one minute at a time. I am Molly Balin. And I am Eric Deutsch. And we welcome Steve Lasto from X Minutes Podcast and the Princess Bride Minute. Hey, guys. Hello. Thanks for having me. Welcome to prison. <laughs> <laughs> I live just outside prison. This is perfect for me. <laughs> yes, yeah, Steve is a fellow Brooklynite. What? What? Yeah. what? Oh, my God. Yay. Yay, yay. Well, I'm glad you guys have hot real estate right next to the prison. <laughs> in, in true escape from New York New York fashion, though, I am recording this on Long Island. I have escaped, ah. I have escaped from the city for at least two nights. <laughs> no! All righty. Well, we are doing Minute 43. Minute 43 begins with Snake explaining that he's looking for somebody, and the crazies get a little rowdy at the chock full of nuts, and Snake is forced to make a quick escape. Because the urban cannibals get all nutty and they come back around for some reason. Food. Tasty, <laughs> delicious snake food. Well, you mentioned, Molly, in the last episode that Girl and Chock Full of Nuts was a crime groupie. You had read some interview with Susan Hubley and that's what she said her character basically was. Yes. And I, I came across a quote from Kurt Russell talking about that, that in this prison, since there's no celebrities... The prisoner is going to be groupies for well-known criminals instead of rock and roll stars, basically. Oh. And there was a joke going around that they might have her even wearing a T-shirt with the names of criminals crossed off. And the only one not crossed off would have been Snake. <laughs> wow. So in production of this movie, they were actually aware that they had elevated Snake to a crazy level of celebrity. That's awesome. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. That's really good context for this minute, actually. It It's weird how, like, they all know who he is. And this is, like, years before the internet. Well, not that many years. Actually, it was after the internet in, in continuity, I guess, in timeline. True. But, you know, it was it was years before the internet existed in, in the real world. Uh, or we using the real world. And everybody knows who he is. As if he's, like, this Instagram guy or something. <laughs> he's an Instagram influencer? <laughs> that, that's what I meant. Insta- influencer. Excuse me, millennials. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess he just was, you know, popular war hero who then, you know, turned to crime. And uh, back then, I, he must have been in the papers. Is there a, do you think there's a real world analog for Snake Plissken? Nothing came to mind when I gave it some thought. Yeah, I mean, I, it's hard to even think of, quote unquote, war heroes. Like when I think of people who were famous for being in the military, I think it's usually, you know, real bigwigs like, you know, Colin Powell and Patton and MacArthur and H, you know, Schwartz, uh, Schwartzkopf from like the Gulf War. But those guys were all like old by then, you know, like you don't I don't really know anyone who was in their 30s and famous for, you know, having having an incredible mission and saving 29 people or something like that. You know, the only thing that came to mind was Black Hawk Down. And I don't know what that guy's name is or any of those people's I, I names. Is. No idea what their names are. I would yeah. I don't know. that. And I even. Even the guys that were on the Bin Laden mission, and I read mm. the autobiography of the guy that wrote one, and I can't even remember his name. Mm. He's got to get better, Graham. 
<laughs> the only other guy I can think of, and I don't remember his name, but I remember reading about him, and I think he developed rocket propulsion, and he was making rockets in his garage, but he also was, like, a very sensual creature and had a lot of, like, sex groups come to his house, and he blew himself up in his garage. So he was just a very volatile human being, but that's the only other, I think... Mick Jagger of warfare that I can really think of right now. I just want to say that it was a real nice touch saying mo- the a real volatile human being that <laughs> that didn't that didn't escape me entirely. Well done. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> like you didn't need that additional context to extrapolate that on your own. <laughs> he blew himself up. You got it. You got it. <laughs> so she knows him for a minute, maybe a minute and a half. And she decides to start using her feminine wiles on Snake to see if uh, she can get him to take her with him. And I, I, Molly, you made a really interesting observation last week that I hadn't even thought of. That it, if you're watching this movie for the first time, does it make you think that, oh, okay, here comes the love interest of the movie. Now she's going to be with him the rest of the movie. And, and will, will she be able to get out also? And as we find out in a few seconds, she most certainly is not. <laughs> and, and I never considered that. And I think that's a, that was a really good point. Mm, thank you. Yeah. I, I don't know if you guys are going to agree with this, but when she says, are you going to take him out? Meaning like the president and snake is like, well, she speci- specifically says, when you find him, are you going to take him out? And snake is kind of looking away and he's like, mm-hmm. there's this kind of mafia overtone to it to me. Cause that's such an interesting exchange because there's a presumption that we know as an audience that he has got a mission to take him out of the prison but she doesn't know that and so i have this other tone to that meaning like are you gonna like kill him in that sort of mafia like take him out sort of a way Hmm. and so i had this additional like how would she know that his job is to take him out of prison that's a good catch. Well, yeah, I mean, she said, you know, who are you? Are you a cop? And he says, I'm an asshole. And so, you know, and we kind of dissected that last week about how it, he meant, you know, boy, I've been played for a sucker. Uh, I guess it would be hard to think that she could analyze lines of dialogue that he's had to figure out that he's there to break him out. But, I mean, if she knows who he is and if she feels like he's got a gun, he's got new cigarettes, she also might be savvy enough to figure like something's going on here you know there's there's something weird going on the president's in the prison hmm, you know maybe maybe he is here to do some kind of jailbreak you know mm, yeah that's fair and this is only the, so we're at minute uh, 43 and this is only the second woman i believe we've come across in this movie and the first of course was the drugged up unconscious woman who was being raped Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we get this one, and she's being portrayed as a crime groupie. So we're getting back Molly into that, you know, early '80s real macho movie thing where women are not not really presented in the greatest light. Yeah, but you know what? This woman is a queen. And here's what I <laughs> and here's my <laughs> here's my thought on this. And I know we're dealing with some old school tropes here, but there's a way that she's behaving towards him of when you find him, you're going to take him out and she kind of saddles up to him. And some of this is ingratiating herself to him, but also I think some of this is that old school, like you're the man. And as a good queen, you're going to be like, you're going to take care of shit. Right. 
you're going to like make this happen. Right. And you're going to take care of me. Right. And so there's this for a shorthand. I think it's really brilliant for the acting in a couple of lines that she's bolstering him in this moment. And she's being that kind of quote unquote, very classic. I mean, she's a strong woman. She's got the blonde vixen thing going on. Mm-hmm. I want to say bombshell because that's where it comes from, but she doesn't have blonde bombshell going up. So she, I'm going to go with blonde vixen. But she does she does jump into it and and does a lot with it real quickly. Mm-hmm. It is cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she definitely goes in for the kiss really quick. I mean, she's <laughs> she, she'd be moving fast, but. You know, this isn't a damsel in distress. This is not like a a Lois Lane situation. Right. You know, I mean, she gets in trouble and he tries to help her out here in a second. But she's she's kind of handling shit on her own. She's taking care of her, you know. And so this is kind of a I can see why this has been a very iconic scene. And I can see why there's this very brief presentation of, you know, she's a survivor. She's going to do what she's got to do. If she's, you know, she's survived, any woman who's survived in that Manhattan for any length of time has to have some skills, mm-hmm. a, lo- a lot of, you know, a diverse set of skills, including what we see here. Uh, I have a question for you guys before we get out of we get out of the chock full of nuts. Have you guys discussed chock full of nuts at all yet? Oh, yeah, I uh, I had to school Molly <laughs> and, uh, and our guest last week uh, on chock full of nuts and how big a deal it is into New York. Molly, until she researched this scene, actually thought it was uh, a fictional chain. Had you not seen the um, the coffee can before? No, I had never seen it before. I had no context. I literally thought they just made it up. If it makes you feel any better, I grew up here and I didn't know there was a chock full of nuts store until I was 18. Oh, <laughs> um, it does make me feel better. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I guess both me and Eric live near one of the only surviving chock full of nut stores. Oh, yes, from, from the relaunch. Right. Yes, yes. Um, there's two. There's one in Elizabeth, and there's one in in Brooklyn on Avenue M. But yeah, I always thought it was just a crappy instant coffee my parents bought. <laughs> oh, your folks bought it too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's like my, my wife called it eight o'clock coffee a little while ago, which I've never heard before. Which is you know cinnamon for a a, a term she used, I guess, for for wheat coffee. Oh. But like, for me, it was just misleading coffee because I didn't understand that coffee wasn't instant until I was like in college. <laughs> like, I just didn't. I just didn't know because we never owned a grinder. We never owned a you know any you know we never we never had that kind of coffee maker. My dad always drank instant coffee, and my mom drank tea. Mm. Rough childhood. <laughs> so that's interesting because I've spent the majority of my life on the West Coast. And we don't have it here. So it's never, you know, and I lived in the Midwest for a bit, too. But we didn't have it. I don't know. Does, does Wisconsin doesn't have that, does it, Eric? Uh, no. Okay. Um, so, yeah, this was completely new to me. And I was, like, completely shocked to look it up online and be like, oh, my God, you have this profound history. And you sold nuts and shit. And, <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. It's super. It's super before all our times. I think. I mean, like, like. I mean, really, like. I could have just, if it weren't for like one random trip, I may not have realized there were stores until like I saw the until I saw the Brooklyn store like ten five years ago, whatever it was. So huh. I mean, because they were all gone by the time I was old enough to go to. So they 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 leave. You know, they all they're all closed by like the nineties, and I like right. I was like eighteen in nineteen ninety, so I was only old enough to go to the city by myself. You know, by like the late '80s, so I, the chances of me seeing one were pretty were pretty slim. 
I don't think I, I would. I don't think I would know about it. See, and I remember, like, as a kid, being in the city like, with my parents, and I remember definitely remember seeing them, you know, somewhere in Manhattan when I was a kid. Yeah, we we definitely came into Manhattan, but not a lot because I lived in on Long Island, and you know, like my dad went to the city five days a week, and that was enough. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and speaking of of locations this of course is not a real chuck full of nuts location in the movie this is a set and this set is yet another set built at indian dunes near valencia california where the glider took off where the world trade center roof is so they really made use of of that area so much betrayal (laughs) (laughs) it's a pretty flimsy place huh (laughs) Yeah, let's get to that. Um, How the hell are people coming up through the floor like this? I I, I just, I cannot figure out the layout of the store and the just how this is possible. I didn't get that at all either. And I understand that, well, for one, I mean, it's a dilapidated coffee shop. So I get that. But I also don't understand how you equate people living in the sewers to living in the basement of the chock full of nuts who suddenly decide to like break through the basement. Right. Also their two tiered approach is fantastic for a, you know, relatively <laughs> technically devoid society. <laughs> I mean, they really do a great job of getting the troops together here. <laughs> Somebody is in a really excellent management position who really understands how to like get people together and motivate them properly. And they're athletic too. I mean, we'll get to that, but I'm like, good God, like, what are you guys doing? Like, I feel like there's this whole other, this is the most like athletic set of like urban cannibals like ever. <laughs> okay. So as, as we're talking about it, I'm wondering did they see them in there and did they go down into the basement from the like the, the basement access trap door that is on, on the sidewalks in New York City, go underneath and then come up? But if if that's what they did, how would they know the floor is so incredibly flimsy that you could just punch your way up through it? So it's been let's see, the island of Manhattan was it was turned into a jail in 88. Is that right? Uh, what, and, uh, it's like, and it's yeah, like ten, so, it's something like that. Yeah, it's yeah. like te- it's like ten years later, right? Uh, yeah, about yeah. I I don't think that generally speaking, a tile a tile floor and a wood foundation would be this bad by then. But I mean, then again, how would they even know it? Yeah, right. I mean, it's 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 pretty it's pretty it's sadly weak. <laughs> it is. It is sadly weak because there's a lot of them because they're coming through the front and they're coming up from underneath too so it's like busting out of a birthday cake so i agree with you eric like i don't understand like why if you're downstairs you decide you know surprise motherfuckers like i'm gonna bust out through the the floor and that's just feels like the thing to do because he also has a gun which i'm not sure to what degree they understand that or not well he's not and and, well in this minute he's not using it yet no he's not well, I guess he kind of gets it. One, oh, I get. Well, I guess he does very, one very end. shot. Yeah, and then yeah. and then runs away. Yeah, they have sheer numbers on him. Yeah, yeah. So in watching these minutes, one of the things that I kept coming back to, largely as a positive, actually, was how much I enjoyed like John Carpenter playing around with a different genre. Um, in this instance, you know, something outside of pure horror. And what I like about it is how he sort of inserts little horror pieces into a sci-fi sort of dystopian thing. But this might be one of the times where he sort of did a horror thing with everybody sort of coming to the walls and everything. And it doesn't quite make narrative sense outside of like a zombie movie or what have you. Yeah, mm. very, very Night of the Living Dead this scene. Yeah. Totally. 
And uh, so, yeah, so she's gone already. That, that She was in the movie for about two minutes. And um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing in the script, uh, while they, well, when, before she gets uh, dragged down, and that I wanted to point out is, so when she says, take me with you, and he says, why? In the script, though, when she says, take me with you, he says, if you give me a reason to. And that's, oh. that's a lot different than just saying why. Yes. And it's, it, it again goes, this is not the first time that the script had Snake as much more of a not so positive, sympathetic anti-hero that he ends up being in the final movie. So is he trying to like hustle getting laid in this moment in the script? Is that, is that what, what we're saying? Could, I, what else could <laughs> if you give me reason to possibly mean? <laughs> Snake man, you got like twenty hours. You don't got time to get laid, man. <laughs> He's a hell of a multitasker. <laughs> He's been locked up for a while. It's probably been a bit. <laughs> oh man, oh, dear. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was going to be kind of like a two kindred spirits kind of thing. It makes it a little different. If he's like, well, you know, she's here. I'm here. You know. <laughs> on the job because this is a sensual place to get down so it's a, yes, a, a dilapidated <laughs> chock full of nuts <laughs> like bro- romantic <laughs> with crazies outside <laughs> well you know he might feel like you know this mission's not looking too good i don't have the tracker anymore i don't know where the president is i'm probably gonna die in 20 hours yeah, what the hell one more one more for the road yeah no when you put it that way that kind of makes sense. That's fair. Yeah. No, I get that. <laughs> so, Steve, let me pull in one of your one of the shows you hosted here and, yeah. and throw this at you. If Wesley was the person who was recruited to get the president out in this movie, how, how do you think he would have handled it? How would have he How would he have done? I feel like Wesley would have joined the gang <laughs> and held the president hostage for twenty years. <laughs> and then and then brought him out for no sensible reason. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> it's so Wesley. <laughs> and he would have done it wearing a flashing black outfit. None of this just tank top and, you know, strap-on pants. Right. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what strap-on pants are. <laughs> Is that a lot of Velcro? <laughs> like tearaway pants? Like there's tearaway snake skin pants? <laughs> I guess I guess they could be really tight parachute pants. It's 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 about the right time. Oh, it is sad but true. <laughs> I like I like Snake's look. Though. I shouldn't um, not rip it on his look. I like his look. Go Snake. Go Snake. <laughs> yeah. Who do you think would win a fight, Snake or Wesley? Ooh. Well, it depends on if Snake is allowed to have his gun with him. Obviously, uh, let's assume he doesn't to make things even, and let's assume Wesley doesn't have his sword then. So it's just fisticuffs. Uh, well, Wesley does beat Andre the Giant. I mean, that's got to count for something. Molly, you like how I just opened up a can of uh, caveman versus astronauts on him? Dude. Yeah, <laughs> you just broke my brain for a second. I, like, took it really seriously, and I'm, like, running into my head right now. I'm like, who would actually win? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to say Wesley, and I feel like I'm betraying everything right now, but I, I feel like... And I feel a little guilty about it, so whatever. But uh, I think I think Wesley would win because Wesley is wily, and even though I think Snake doesn't fight fair, I think I think Wesley is a is a is a sharp dude, and he's a little supernatural. So, but I mean, you know, we're gonna see some other like supernatural busting through walls and windows here in these upcoming minutes. But mm. yeah, I, I vote for Wesley. 
Yeah, I mean, he, 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 Wesley, I think, is definitely smarter than Snake, so he could probably use his wits to outwit him at, you know, somehow also in that fight. I'll stick with Wesley on that. Sorry, Snake. Sorry, Snake. We still love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Any, any other uh, comments about this minute? Mm, nope. All right. Let me remind everyone the big contest that we announced in the last minute. If you Ooh. send us a photo of the best chock full of nuts photo out in the wild to escape from New York Minute at gmail.com, whether it's just a can on the shelf being sold in a store or one of the actual few remaining cafes, we will reward you with being a guest for one minute of the end credits. And you must be available in late November and have Skype. And you can send as many photos as you want. Molly and I will judge which is the best one. And any previous, current, or future scheduled guests are not eligible. This is someone who this will be the only minute they're on. Oh. And uh, Brad, of course, cannot enter because members of the If and Y team and their relatives are simply not eligible. So uh, with that, Steve, <laughs> uh, let us know where people can find you online and, and uh, promote your shows. Oh, God. Um, I haven't done this in a while. Um, so let's see. You can find everything about The Princess Bride Minute at theprincessbrideminute.com. Um, I think at The Princess Bride Minute. I'd go, to, go to the website. That's your best bet. Um, <laughs> A few diehards still post in the Facebook group about the wits, um, but you know, and it's in the iTunes store and all of that. Um, but it's getting, it's it's not going anywhere, but it's getting a little stale. So um, I've forgotten our our Twitter handle and stuff. Um, and X minutes, um, you can find it X minutes podcast um, dot com and X minutes podcast on Facebook, and I think it's the Danger Room on Facebook is where we discuss it. Um, and we only did the first X Men movie, but we did a good job of it. So. Come check us out. Awesome. And come check us out on Facebook. We are in Brains Library, the Escape from New York Minute Hangout. We're on Twitter, NY Minute Pod. Uh, Steve will be with us all week, so he'll be back uh, tomorrow and the day after. Uh, so subscribe so you don't miss Steve guesting. Uh, give us a rate and review if you like what you hear. And until tomorrow, be on time, stay out of the sewers, and we'll see you on the other side of the wall.